podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts, or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. So if you're listening to this podcast, I bet that you want to be the best tarot reader that you can possibly be. And lucky for you, I run some of the most amazing online tarot classes going. Serious world-class teachers whose names you will recognize from all the books and things that they have written and published, who are truly experts in the field uh, or in the topic that we are focused on for the classes. So whether you're looking for foundations to learn the Tarot de Marseille, to learn psychology, or whether you're looking to uh, build a spiritual or tarot-related business, I've got some astounding classes. Head on over to thehermitslamp.com, click on the Events tab, and check them all out. Your reading skill will improve just from looking at them. Hello, everyone. This is Carrie Paris. I wanted to welcome you all to another episode of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. Joining me today is someone you probably all know. His name is Andrew McGregor. And um, for some of you that have been listening to this show for a while, and, and for those of you that are new, I think Andrew and I should explain to you what we're up to today. Um, Andrew has been... Uh, how long have you been doing this podcast for? Since 2013? It's three, yeah, three years or so now. Yeah, yeah. And um, Andrew's been interviewing people um, in the business of spirituality, esoteric arts, tarot. What else, what else would you add to that list, Andrew? Yeah, m- magicians and herbalists <laughs> and artists uh-huh. and, uh, yeah. People who are out there doing interesting things around spirituality, um, you know, and where and where other areas intersect, you know, psychologists who work in spiritual ways and mm-hmm. stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. So for three years, you've been interviewing people, but um, you you came up to your fiftieth episode, and um, you, you've contacted me saying, you know. No one's really interviewed me yet, and a lot of people are curious about you. I know. I, I was curious about you when I first met you, <laughs> and I wanted to know more about, you know, all this fantastic stuff that you're doing. So, you know, this, is, this particular podcast gives people an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better and, and put you in the uh, seat of the person being interviewed. So congratulations. And by the way, this is the 52nd episode, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our, our schedules didn't quite align. We had to shimmy stuff around. So, uh, yeah. yes. Happy 52. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, we, we decided was a full deck of playing cards for the cardomancers mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to do for your listeners was to share a bit of your bio with them, but... Um, when I went to your site, I couldn't really find a, you know, a bio that most people usually put on their sites, but instead I found something more interesting. And and this was, 
a really impressive list of services that you provide. And what struck me the most and what has struck me from day one of, of meeting you is um, that everything that you do is incredibly creative and innovative. I mean, nobody, nobody's doing, you know, a lot of people read the cards, but nobody reads the cards like you do. You know, you have a really significant approach. And that's just one example of, you know, a lot of the things that you do. So I was hoping that you could um, share with your listeners a, a bit about who you are and, and, and a little bit about your services that you provide. Sure. So where, where do we start this story? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up interested in magical things. So, you know, from the from the time I was, like, little, I was always interested in magic. And, you know, a lot of it was obviously sort of in kid-like ways, you know, fantastical <laughs> and, and so on. Um, but, you know, as, as I got older, um, you know, like 10, 11, um, I started doing martial arts. I started learning to meditate. I spent a lot of time, you know, I lived... It's, it's funny, when I lived there, I never thought of it this way, but I actually kind of lived on the edge of town. You know, where I grew up, my street went down and turned right, and if you turned left, um, there was basically forest and farms for 20, 30 kilometers to the next town over. You know, and so I spent a lot of time just playing around in those places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a friend of mine who was, who was also into all this stuff with me, we set up a meditation space in his crawl space of his parents' basement. So we'd go down there and light incense and try and meditate, <laughs> stuff like that. And then, you know, a few years later, I was in uh, Dominican Republic and I got hit by a truck while driving a motor scooter, a dump truck head on, mm-hmm. and almost died. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was just like, I need to understand everything. Mm-hmm. I need to know what's going on. Why is the world this way? You know, think of every, like, existential question I had them, you know. And and so I started just reading everything, anything I could get my hands on. And at this point, I had already had a pack of card, tarot cards for, I don't know, a year and a half or something like that. I'd already been reading Aleister Crowley mm-hmm. for a couple of years. You know, like, I was already, like, way into all of that kind of spiritual stuff. How and this old, was just I was going to ask you how old were you? When I when I when I had the accident? Well, when I, when yeah, I guess so. Well, well, how about let's go back when you were meditating. How old were you in the crawl space of <laughs> 10? meditating? Wow. Yeah, so 10. Young. Yeah. 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 And um yeah, 10 and then like a, a year or two years later, I picked up some Crowley books. Mm. At, at an occult fair that I was at with my mom, oh my and gosh. and then my grandmother bought me my first deck when I was thirteen mm. from from the mall. We were just at some bookstore, and <laughs> I was like, saw it and wanted it, and you know. So what yeah. deck was it? Uh, the Mythic Tarot. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's a great start. Yeah, for, yeah, for I, a young I, lad. I, I I liked it, and. Um, you know, and and I'd never seen, even though I'd read about Crowley's deck, I'd never seen it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because this was, you know, this was back in the eighties. Right. You know, it wasn't like, you know, and I lived in small town Ontario. It wasn't like I was getting out to places or, yeah. you know, these kinds of things. It was like very rare. So I would just get stuff, and then I would just read it 
over and over and over and over again, you know? And, and then after the accident, I started, um, I would just go into the library and just, you know, basically the psychology section, the philosophy section and the religion section, I read everything that they had Mm. and, you know, in the school library, in the public library. And then I also started, um, accosting people that I thought might have the answers. <laughs> so like I, the, the, he, I wasn't really raised anything, but we, we did sort of a brief stint with the Anglican church, mm-hmm. you know, in and around that time. And, uh, the guy who read the youth group was, uh, ex Jesuit monk. And so I was just asking questions, you know, and later and later I had this friend who was, uh, evangelical, and I, I don't even remember anymore how we got to this place, but like I would go for coffee with his pastor and just grill him about stuff and just ask him questions to be like, yeah, 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 but what about this? And what about that? You know, I mean, like by the time I was like 16 or so, you know, I'd read the Bible, like I, like I'd read everything, you know? And so I'm like, you know, and, and I was just looking at all this stuff and just going out and wanting to know more and study more and figure things out and, you know, mm. but but I think this is also like an important part of my my journey, which is spiritually speaking, my journey was largely independent mm-hmm. all the way through until well into my twenties. Mm-hmm. So, well, you didn't really have a lot of access to. What I, you have I didn't today. have access. Yeah, and even even when I moved to Toronto, you know, I lived in Toronto, which had an OTO lodge and which had you know theoretically people that I could learn from Mm -hmm. but um but I just for a long time it just never even occurred to me to go out and find other people I was just like well you just read the books you know it's it's like my (laughs) study with the Toth deck Mm -hmm. I'm like well people are like what book should you get on the Toth deck I'm like the book of Toth and they're like but it's hard to read I'm like yeah you just read it 50 times that's what I did you know (laughs) which is which is not helpful right but um it worked for you obviously well it worked for me for sure yeah but we're so um, driven yeah well that's it like I just driven and you know and and really continue to be right like I'm driven in a different way now but like just curious and interested and Mm-hmm. Yeah, always, always looking and trying to understand and figure things out, which is really, this is why I did the podcast, right? Like I started the podcast because I wanted to have interesting conversations with interesting people mm-hmm. and I wanted to expand my understanding of things. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, who do I know or who can I connect to? And I'm like, oh, I bet you if I reach out to people in the community and in the, in the wider world that I will start to make those connections. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. how the podcast came to be what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. You, you, I, I was listening to your uh, interview with Ryan Edward, who uh-huh. created, I have to say the most beautiful Lenormand deck <laughs> around. It's gorgeous. The maybe Lenormand. And, um, you know, you were, you were talking about your background in design and advertising and you know what what happened you know like how how did you go from this or you know this very uh driven experience of 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 you know trying to uh tap into spirituality and and how how did your path take you into design and advertising so i went i went from high school straight to art school mm-hmm. um, i went to ontario college of arts now Ontario College of Art and Design here in Toronto, mm-hmm. and um, I studied sculpture mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. and um, 
and it kind of ruined making art for me, to be honest. Like oh. the the school, uh, especially at the time that I was there, was um, primarily postmodern theory driven, and so it was all conceptual arts mm-hmm. and sort of aesthetic things or other things. Um, just just weren't really. At, at best, they were frowned upon. And probably if you couldn't write a 10-page essay about why your artwork was important in the context of the history of art, um, you, you probably were not going to get a good grade. And, wow. and and what's more, the group of students that I went through, um, the, there was no kindness between the group. I, I I still don't really understand how it was that way, mm-hmm. and I certainly I definitely don't understand why the teachers did not intervene. Mm-hmm. But like the year before us, the year after us, they all went and formed collectives. They did shows. I mean, maybe they still are. It's been a long time, but um, we all graduated, and nobody talked to each other again. Oh. You know, oh. and uh, I mean, maybe maybe a few people did here and there, but in general, nobody really talked to each other. And so I graduated from art school. I basically decided that I hated art and artists in the art scene. And mm. um, so I'm like, oh, what am I going to do, right? Yeah. And so I got this job uh, working in a mailroom at a mutual fund company because it paid better than being a bike courier, which was the other thing I was thinking about doing. <laughs> and when they found out that I had an art background, they're like, well, if you want to learn and work in the design department, we'll teach you. You can come in on your lunches and whatever. And so for about six months, I just went and learned software and, you know, kerning and fonts and layouts and uh-huh. prints back and stuff like that. And so I worked for them for about about a year. Like it's sort of like six months is sort of like part time and then about a year full time. And then and then I left and went freelance and just started working for all sorts of different companies and, you know, doing my own stuff and working for ad houses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and then, yeah, and then at a certain point, I was sitting there working on this advertising for vodka. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing? I'm basically just helping drunk people get drunker. I need to, I need to do something more significant. <laughs> And so then I, you know, and of course this like coincides with like my Saturn return and like, you know, like all that kind of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then I started this, like, what what am I going to do? I don't want to do this anymore. It's just depressing me to go work there. And I, I tried to get a job at a few places and the shenanigans of that industry sort of caused more, caused problems, you know, like, like the one guy that he'd been paying me really good money and he was like well I'd love to hire you I'd love to have you be you know my my you know my person who works with me and whatever whatever and he's like you know but you don't have the qualification so I'm gonna I gotta start you as a junior person so I gotta pay you like basically a third of what I was just paying you you know or a quarter and I'm like that's that's not gonna happen you know and this place that that was gonna hire me and we were supposed to sign contracts and then I went I went away for a few days and they brought somebody else in and hired them instead. And like, you know, like just, mm. just crappy, sleazy business stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I was like, well, maybe I'll be a psychotherapist. Maybe I'll be a tattoo artist. Maybe I'll be, you know, I don't know what, right. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and a friend got me, got me a gig reading cards 
and and then I was like, oh, right, this is pretty good. And then he left the store that he was at, and he got me in there. And then yeah, 13, yes. 13 years. Now it's been my been my thing. So. Wow, so you went rogue from the advertising industry into what you really wanted to do, right? I did. I did. Yeah. I, I I jumped without a net, which was, uh, <laughs> the good it brings thing. about its own stresses. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But look where you're at today. I, I think totally. it's great that you were you were um, kind of guided in a way by by those shenanigans. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. and. and my partner certainly supported that transition with it. And without that, that would, I'm not sure what would have happened. Yeah, so that's wonderful. Yeah. That's beautiful. So you also mentioned that, um, with, with Ryan, because Ryan also has a background in design and mm. you guys were, almost, you were touching on shop is the way I was looking at it. You were talking shop and you mentioned that Tarot can sometimes be similar to advertising and especially the design that goes into creating a message through advertising as a codified visual language, which I loved hearing. So when I heard this, my mind immediately um, started, you know, wondering, how do you codify uh, divination? You know, how do you how do you see the cards as something that's a codified visual language that's similar uh, to advertising? <laughs> Um, because I codify everything visually. You, you want me to like unpack that and explain? Yes, that? Uh, because it, it, it goes along with what your book, your recent book, is about too. For sure. Yeah. So, I think that for people who are interested in uh, divination, for people who are interested in magic, and for people who are interested in um, omens and other things, mm-hmm. um, what we what we need to rep- to understand is that probably much of the time from people um, and certainly at specific times everything is uh, a projection of something mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so my my you know I'm wearing a plain plain t-shirt today I wear plain t-shirts almost every day I don't have any shirts that almost no shirts that have patterns or logos or anything on them right Mm -hmm. and and that projects something right that that you know that is something that is different than if i'm gonna wear you know a gap shirt or a sports shirt or these kinds of things right and so and and we all know this right because we dress up because we want to look a certain way and especially if we're like going on a date or going to an event or whatever we're going to be hyper aware of that right like yeah. i'm going to wear this hat i'm going to wear those shoes i'm going to wear these pants and some of that might be about the way we look in it some of that might be about what we want the other person to understand and mm-hmm. some of that might be um uh like what we want to uh evoke or call out from ourselves mm-hmm. right and project mm-hmm. it to the world mm-hmm. um Everything around us is codified in one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. Whether whether it is uh, codified by utility, you know, um, or whether it is codified by uh, other things, all of those things have messages and ideas about them. And when we are making a reading or when we're, um, you know, when I'm making artwork and stuff like that, or if people are creating a card towards reaching towards a certain archetype, you want to have everything line up. And so 
Um, when, you know, when I used to do a lot of temple magic, I would be obsessive about all the things. All the candles need to be a certain color. <laughs> the number of them would be the same. Um, the number of times the phone would ring. I mean, I would <laughs> ring the bell. Um, all of these things would all work towards that energy, right? And mm-hmm. I would uh, layer them on top of each other and mm-hmm. ever-increasing density, right? Yeah. So. How many times did I walk around the circle? How many times did I clap or ring the bell? How many times did I repeat the verse? Um, sometimes even to the point of like how many syllables were in a specific phrase or these kinds of things. The incense and, and all of those details mm-hmm. would all lead towards that energy that I wanted to create space for. And I think that uh, in, in advertising, they, that is the magic that they are attempting to work in uh, creating a tarot card, that is the magic that people are trying to work, you know, in, um, I mean, in running my store. Uh, I'd like to say everything is is here for a reason, but, you know, there's some, like, boxes from Vista Print and some other stuff kicking around that's, you know, <laughs> this needs to be tidied up still. But, but in general, um, all the bigger pieces of things, the, t- the choices of furniture, the, all of these things, they're all here because I want them to be here because they, they create a space and an energy that is the, that is in alignment with the energy that I want to manifest here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that allows it to manifest more clearly, more easily. And for people who come in to recognize mm-hmm. what kind of things or energy or, or interactions they might get here. I did a series of blog posts, which you can find on my blog page, um, on how does tarot work. Mm-hmm. And one of those was, uh, you know, sort of talks about talks a little bit about this specifically about the cards, about how the art is part of how it works, right? Yes. How the art conveys the message, and you know why it why on the one hand you can read with anything or any cards. Agreed. In theory. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, you're, you, the decks that you choose will, you know, will also be a part of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. I think in that, in that same, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the same article that I saw on your site. It's, it's, um, uh, the one titled deep symbols make for great readings. And in it, you encourage your readers to talk about, uh, the art on the cards and the visual story that's at play. And mm-hmm. in each card. And I love this idea because I'm a fan, as you know, of divination and how it becomes amplified when we're in that spontaneous place with it. You know, mm-hmm. that, that place of just being in divine play is what I like to call it. So, and in that same post you wrote, and let me find this, it says, one of the tools that I use a lot in, in reading the cards doesn't come out of dusty old books, but uh, from spending four years studying art and postmodern theory in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I love how, how you're able now to um, tie that, you know, that it sounds like it was kind of a, a challenging time in college, you know, um, with, with what you learn there into, you know, something that's always been with you from the get go, I believe, um, which is, you know, this drive to understand the deeper meaning of things, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you remain as someone who's experienced with, with the cards, how do you remain spontaneous with your readings? How do you stay in that place of divine play and, and receptivity? So, I think that the um, 
cards, the, how the cards work is, you know, spoiler alert, how the cards work is actually a mystery. <laughs> right? I think that... Um, I'm going to quit now. <laughs> you're going to quit now? Yeah. <laughs> now that I know no. the truth. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's great. Now it's even better, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to say that uh, tarot is an engine that runs on mystery and spits out truth, you know? Lovely. Love, and love that. You know, how do you stay engaged? I mean, how do I stay playful? I mean, mostly I spend a lot of time being creative. You know, I've, I've been making more and more art. Um, you know, I currently have, depending on when, how you want to count it, somewhere between like four and six tarot or oracle decks in progress. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm currently writing three books on, on various timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do that a lot. But mostly... For me, entering, going into a reading with someone is stepping out of normal time or normal space mm-hmm. into into a magical space or um, you know a space where synchronicity dominates. Mm-hmm. And I so what I what I really just do is my my job is to show up and be super present, mm-hmm. you know. And so when I'm sitting in front of somebody and reading the cards for them. I am as close to a hundred percent present as possible. Mm, I me. love it. At, yeah. at this time, you know, at this point, you know. Yeah. And so, when I am present, that I am not thinking or analyzing or like mm-hmm. counting. You know, I mean, well, I might count the cards, but like, I'm not. You know, any any of those sort of technical pieces, like mm-hmm. elemental dignities, like mm-hmm. how many cards and what do they reduce to, like so many of those things. Um, if I'm going to focus on them, I'm going to focus on them because being in the present with another person mm-hmm. points me to them mm-hmm, as opposed mm-hmm. to, well, we're going to show up and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do something else, you know? Yeah, yeah. A few of your friends have written in, a few of the people that you've interviewed have written in with their questions. And so uh, this this touches on what um, Christoph Richard, you know, Carolza from, where is he now? He's not, he's in Argentina now, right? Uh, I, th- I think I he's see. jet setting down there, but yeah, yeah I think yeah. he's settled in Argentina. Yeah, hello, Christoph, if you're listening. So, um, what he, what he wanted to know is, um, what do you think about the idea and intuition he has in there that some part of your unconscious mind is out of time? Mm-hmm. And that's you know that idea of being present and and being spontaneous kind of puts you in that timeless territory, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So. When I, during that time that I was transitioning from working in design to working as a, as a reader, um, I also was under working with a Jungian therapist. Great. And so I spent two years working with this, uh, delightful chap who, um, came from South America, had studied with shamans and stuff down there and like, you know, had this sort of mystical and esoteric bent but was also like a formally trained Jungian analyst and knew that I knew all of that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we had this, this, you know, again, with like the universe, like I I found this therapist through a free service 
you know, wow. where you could go. Like I just felt the need to go and talk to someone and they're like, they had a free service in Toronto where they would, where you could have six sessions with somebody. And this was the person I ended up with. Right. And so we would, we would talk about tarot. He'd be like, okay, well, which tarot card is that? Okay. Well, you know, whatever. Like, and cause he knew enough about these things to have these conversations. And he liked working with me because when I, when I try to, I can remember all of my dreams all of the time. Mm. Mm. And, you know, I, I go in and out of sort of a practice of that because, because it's time consuming and yeah. I don't usually have time, time in the morning for such things. Yeah. Yeah. Little kids these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but what happened through that work was, um, you know, I, I sorted a lot of stuff in my unconscious, but I also started bridging over into the collective unconscious. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the collective unconscious is, for all intents and purposes, outside of time. You know, yeah. I mean, it is, it is so uh, incomprehensible mm-hmm. and it is so, I don't know, it, it, is, it is what it is outside of sort of the surface movements in time. You know, because it's because it is the deep currents that are going on, mm. right? Yeah. And um, so, you know, in my dreams, I have dreams where I cross over that line at times. And when I'm working with people, I am certainly crossing over that line, sometimes into the other person's unconscious. Um, and, and you know, and at other times sort of, you know, to, to talk about it in a different way or to talk about another aspect of that is, you know... I think a lot of um, I spent a lot of time in the Western ceremonial traditions. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that they have a lot to offer, and I think that they overcomplicate a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's this sort of notion of like uh, you can't you can't know somebody else's destiny. You can't you know you can't know what their 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 higher self or their guardian angel has to say. You know, or like these kinds of things. But but again, because in some ways, because I practiced independently for so long, mm-hmm. I didn't run into those objections. Mm-hmm. So then when I just started reading for people, I'm like, oh, well, I bet you I can like make some level of contact with that. And yeah. so so I think that sort of whether you're reaching uh, one way towards the, the collective unconscious or the other way towards um, the other person's, uh, you know, eternal self, and certainly my you know, once I'm fully aligned, you know, I, I am, I mean, obviously I'm still living in time, you know, otherwise if I'd be discarnated and that'd be that. Right. But, yeah. uh, but I, but I think that the readers, um, especially any readers who sort of work in the ways that I work, step out of time. Yeah. Just a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some part of their consciousness plugs into that and connects back around to all sorts of other things. Yeah, it's that saying where you push away from the shores of time before you divine, right? I mean that's yeah. that's the territory that we go to. Yeah. And, and 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 you know, it kinda of reminds me of you living on the fringe at a young age. You know, that that territory where you're closer to the unknown than you are to the known or the familiar that, that most people are, are part of, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and comfortable with, you know. Yeah. So one of your interviewees, Camille Elias, um, asks uh, a pretty interesting question, and, and it's very thoughtful, and, and I think you're going to like it. She says that one of the aspects in magical working that's often emphasized strongly by teachers, though not equally strongly followed by students, is the idea of relaxing. So you follow a rule for a ritual, 
or words or invocations and you just simply relax, right? You stop checking with yourself or your inner judges about the possibility that you're not strong enough, that uh, you may have missed something, which we've been talking about. Um, uh, Thus feeding the demons of self-doubt is the way she puts it. And then she goes on to say, I myself teach the importance of relaxing, having faith, and being at ease. So then she goes on and she says, when things don't work out, it's because of attachment to self-doubt, impatience, and lack of faith. So how do you practice relaxation? And how do you detach? And how do you trick yourself into forgetfulness? So I'll start with what I learned, which is not what I teach. So um, Crowley's yoga practice was particularly austere, you know, and, and who he learned from was, was very austere, yeah. right? Like, you know, the, we're, we're not talking like Hatha yoga. We're not right. talking yoga class, um, you know, in these kinds of things, we're talking sort of, um, you know, more old, old school, all eight limbs of yoga, um, and sort of more like, we don't really care what your body has to say. Right. And so, uh, I followed the advice that, that was given in his writings, which was to sit still for an hour every day and to not move mm-hmm. and to breathe in a intensely regulated pattern and to be silent. You know, in, in, the, in his intro to yoga for yahoos, he says that, uh, the, the secret to, he says the secret to all magic or the secret to yoga is to uh, sit down, shut up and get out. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, sit still, yeah. turn off your brain, get out of your way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, after a daily practice of that for a very long time, uh, it becomes quite amazing how easy it is to just like shut everything off and disengage the brain. It is also rather torturous and it is, I, I am. I remain unclear on the value of it, as a uh, you know, as a as a path, because I think that um, I think that that uh, you know that sort of denigration of the body mm-hmm. doesn't need to be there in the way that that, that it was in the practice that I did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me personally. Um, my 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 practice is that I reach out and find the threads inside that take me back to that place, and it's such a well worn place because of so many years of doing it mm-hmm. and so many years of going back to it and and in some ways you you could say that it is kind of one of the gateways back to my being present with people when I'm reading for them, so I use it quite a lot. That muscle yeah. is strong, yeah. so for me, that is where I work when I'm doing work for myself. Um, for other people, I think that the question is really one of um, picking a road that leads to to that place for that person. Physic relaxation is great. Um, ecstatic things can be great. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can, you can dance and sing and drum and do whatever. You know, you can put on your favorite tunes and jump around until you lose yourself. Um, you know, it's one of the, one of the powers behind sex magic is that, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as one reaches the climax of that is very difficult to like be, 
split in different directions. So it allows right. that sort of one point of presence, right. um, you know, these kinds of things. And again, the, for me, the forgetting piece, which I think is also really important, yeah. right? Yes. Um, you know, comes out of the same sets of things, right? Like training my brain not to think of certain words, you know, mm -hmm. training my brain not to say certain words at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and sort of building that inner structure. Um, and, you know, when it all came to other things, like I developed a practice of if I was doing a sigil that I wanted to check on later, mm -hmm. I would tape it face down in my journal so I couldn't see it accidentally, but then I would write the date that I want to go back and look at it and check in on that working or, you know, so, and, and I think that in the modern world, you know, if, if people are good at using their external brain, you know, their reminders, their devices, their whatever, yeah. that sort of handing stuff to that and, and leaning on that as a way of sort of deferring it, like, yes. you know, um, I, I, you know, I want a new, new job by in like a month or, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah. and then just set a reminder, you know, and it's the same reason we set a, set a bell when we're meditating, right. Yes. In between when we start and where that, where the conclusion is, our brain is always wondering if we're already done, but we're not until the <laughs> bell comes off and, you know, right. and sort of setting that bell yeah. for, for your working, yeah. um, you know, is also, I think, really helpful. Yeah, so. yeah, great. I, it, you know, part of her question and part of your answer, uh, you know, I, I had this talk with uh, a friend in the business also, and, you know, one of the things that came up was this comment of, gosh, you know, I, I wish I could unlearn some things. I wish I could forget some of the things that I've learned so that I, I no longer bring them into my readings. Uh -huh. You know, because sometimes you find yourself repeating the same thing, let's say, you know, or or you're using information that you, you know, you've had used before. And, it, you know, it comes in handy, definitely. But but what happens to that beginner's mind, you know, that sweet place, you know, where the beginner's mind is just so open and, and excited about learning. So is there anything that you wish that you could just unlearn at this point? No. No, not not in that sense. Um, I didn't. Uh, I, I trust. I, I went through a period of time where I was concerned about that. You know, I, mean, I remember that when I was um, reading reading at the first store that I read at, and I was doing quite a number of readings, and I was only reading with the Toth deck, and I feel like I would catch myself just repeating myself, mm -hmm. and uh, and feeling like maybe I was kind of like just. Not calling it in, that would be too too much, but like not the the, the zing wasn't there. The magic wasn't uh -huh, there. Uh -huh. Right? Yeah. Um and even though like just a just a straight reading of the cards should also be helpful, um, I wanted more, right? Yes. And so during that time I I would switch my deck every time I noticed that. Mm. Which is where I started, you know, branching out into other decks, right? So yeah. you know, I got the Hermetic Tarot, I had the the Jungian Tarot by Robert Wang. Um mm -hmm. I think those were the two that I used the most. Mm -hmm. um, I opened some other ones and hated them immediately and just didn't use them. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but but I don't really find that challenge very much. I don't run into that um, because I think that my my reading practice is you know is as it were about being present. Mm -hmm. And when I'm when I'm present, I'm as close to that beginner's mind as I'm going to get. Yeah, ever you know like. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And so, so I don't really have to fret about that in the, in the same kind of way, mm -hmm. and I don't really need to. 
I don't feel the need to unlearn something because I trust that if it's surfacing, it's surfacing because it needs to, you know, and, and during the readings, I'll use anything, right? Like I had somebody I was reading for, we were talking about their work life. And then this guy came in the store and was like, one asked me a quick question. I was like, I have one second, but I need to go back to the reading. And his question was, I need to, I need to figure out how I can undo the bad things that my grandfather did to me that are interfering with my life. And I was Mm. like, I can totally help you with that, but I can't help you right now. You got to come back. Right. (laughs) And, and so they came back a few days later or something. Um, but I went back into the reading and I was, was like, so tell me about your grandfather, what's going on there. And of course, immediately all of their problems are synced up to that problem. Right. Yes. Because it, because it's there. right? Right. And that, that is where, being open to the synchronicities or being open, like trusting that what surfaces, what needs to surface is, is where the magic is. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think you're, you're, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, amazed right now because I think your magical portraits really, um, maintains that thought, you know, that theory of being in spontaneity and, and really being present because you're in the zone, you know, you're, this is where your artistic quality comes in and, and adds to, uh, a beautiful layer to readings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where did can you t- first of all can you tell your your listeners what magical portraits are? Sure. So when I when I look at people, um, I see their auras, I see their spirit guides, I see all sorts of things going on with them. You know, not not when I'm walking down the street, but when I'm sitting down and working with somebody, you know, I'll get this huge uh, influx of visual information from the people that I'm that I'm working with, and everybody's always super curious, right? Well, what color is my aura? What's the guide? You know, like <laughs> they have these questions because, like, who yeah. wouldn't, right? Right. If if you can't see it but you feel it, you're like, I want to know what that is, yeah. right? And so I um, started messing around with the idea of like, well, what if what if I started trying to draw that for people? What if I started trying to make an image of that? You know, and it coincided with, you know, me doing work on myself where I was doing a series of self-portraits invoking my future self mm. into being now mm. to sort of align with stuff that I wanted to have happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I started started doing these and, and now I'm doing them fairly regularly for people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's the same, it's the same process that kind of arose around the impossible readings that I do, you know, where people ask me like some existentially impossible question (laughs) and I, and I create uh, a piece of video art that is the answer, you know? And so like people have asked me stuff like, I feel like I've forgotten something at a soul level. What is it? Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. or like, what is, what is in the way of my art or, you know, Mm, great. and that's it. Like that's all I. That's all I get. That's all I want. Right. It's the yes. same when I when I do the portraits. I just want the. I want a photograph of them yep. if I'm not taking it myself, and then and then I just work from there and I just drop into the zone and, you know, it's almost without exception. Everybody comes back and is like, "That is exactly that is exactly me. That is exactly the thing that that explains it." I'm like, great. I have no idea what it means, but awesome. <laughs> well, it, you know, I, I've, I'm one of the lucky recipients of, of a magical portrait, which I love. And um, I don't. I wonder if you realize also, you know, I've, I've talked to a few other people that have also um, been fortunate enough to have one of these done by you, is, is that uh, the magic that happens after we receive the portrait, 
Like it's yeah. alive. It reminds me of Telestique, you know, like statue magic where something mm. becomes animated because the artist recognizes something within the statue that they're creating, right? It, it becomes alive. And so it, it changes something in people, right? Mm-hmm. So, so is, do you, do you have a, um, an intention, I guess, that, that goes into the artwork as, as you're, as you're creating those? So, I mean, the, the intention is to show people what's going on beyond all of the day-to-day hoopla, you know, like people, you know, you hear people say in spiritual, you know, spiritual circles sometimes like, well, this world is an illusion. It's not real. It's not, you know, whatever. And I'm like, it's true and it's not true, right? Mm-hmm. The statement is sort of, uh, or maybe it's, it's true and it's not helpful all of the time, right? right. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you're like, that's great if you're dealing with a spiritual condition, but if you're not, then, you know, or if you're not doing magic towards a physical condition, then you still got to deal with this condition on this plane, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the that's mistake people often make as they try and resolve an issue on the wrong level of of reality, right? Yeah. Um, so, but what I'm, what I'm trying to reveal to people, my intention is to um, reveal the fullness of who they are to to show them who they are outside of time mm-hmm. and to to kind of give them an um a point of reference in the infiniteness of everything mm-hmm. which they can sort of lean on and be like yes that is that is me i am this thing this you know complex multidimensional energetic being on this plane living my life yeah. you know yeah yeah well i'm i'm feeling uh, great improvements in my life on that level because of, of the portraits. I mean, they're really, it, it's, it's so innovative. I just, I just love this idea. And, and so it, it just kind of, um, it, it, it just proves again how creative you are in everything that you do and how you approach things. And I love that you know, I'm, I'm returning back to that 10 year old boy, you know, that started off with this very driven, um, need really to explore this. And because you weren't exposed to everything, you had to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it to me, it seems like that stayed with you. I mean, I, I wonder if you were, you know, thrown into a class at an early age and, you know, given all the books and everything you needed, if this creativity, would have been as available as it is today. You know, I, I really feel like you, you, you make things happen for yourself in a really innovative way in a creative way that, that nobody else is doing. No one else is doing this. Well, it's cause I, it's cause I don't often hear the objections until I'm well underway. And yeah. I'm like, oh, huh. I love it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like people like a running a store, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't really plan to run a store as such. It just sort of started to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, well I should focus on this and, and, you know, grow it and stabilize it and whatever. But mm-hmm. like, you know, so many people would talk about it being so difficult or so whatever. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's work for sure. Right. Yeah. But it's not, but it's not hard. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's like, it, you know, it's like, I didn't, I didn't hang out in the tarot world for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. and really it's only about 
five years ago that I, you know, lifted my head from reading Crowley's book for the 50,000th time. And I was like, huh, maybe I should see what's going on in the world of tarot. Maybe I should go out there and like, especially if I'm going to be serious about having a store that's tarot focused, I should like go and connect to that more. And so, you know, I, I remember the first time we met was, was when we were, we were in Dallas at a conference and we were both there doing some stuff. And, um, I, I had just assumed everybody else was doing what I was doing as a reader. <laughs> do you know what I, mean? I was like, well, it's not what you do. Like you just, right. you just see the future or read psychologically or, uh-huh. you know, work a little magic and like, you know, like, like things, things, things that are in retrospect, obviously super specific to my background. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people come in and they're really like worked up. I'm like, well, you just reach your aura out and calm them down. And then you do the reading and send them on their way. Like, isn't that how you deal with people who are stressed out? Why, why do you get to send them away? Just, just like do the reading now, you know? And, and, and like, none of that's like, Oh, look at me. I'm so fancy. I was just like, isn't this just what you do? Like you just mm-hmm. do what you do and you deal with what's in front of you and you work with it. And, and of course, you know, as I, I connected to more people and so I was like, oh, people specialize in like one area. Like that yeah. had never even occurred to me. Yeah. Like, you would specialize in psychological readings? Huh. How fascinating. <laughs> you know? And because and because I'd sort of given up reading tarot books, you know, yeah. uh, for a long time and I, and I wasn't on forums or in other places and so on. Right. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things that it really, I, I think that there's so many limiting ideas yeah. That people that people can take on because of the way other people identify. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm I have no interest in that. So I'm like and I and I sort of for for part of the magical training is really sort of working against that, right? Like being like, Well that's that's other people's stuff. It's, yeah. it's great, but it's not my stuff. My stuff is this. Well that reminds so. me of Teresa Reed's question then. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who wrote in a question of the we all know Teresa Reed also is the Tarot lady. And and she wants to know why do so many people who practice magical arts or divination and claim to be experts seem to struggle with their own lives? Shouldn't they be living be a living example of how this work can transform lives? Uh-huh. So, um, yes. Yes, they should, <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> Do I get off easily with that as the yeah, answer? Yeah, not quite. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think that uh, I think that there are a couple of things going on, right? Um, first of all, uh, people who begin spiritual work, Probably with benefits, certainly like people like Israel Regardi and, and other magical teachers would insist on going through psychotherapy or some kind of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. And really like by psychotherapy, I, I don't mean um, hypnotic cleansings. I don't mean EFT tapping stuff. I don't mean, you know, shamanic voyaging to reclaim your soul bits. Um, all of those things are, are wonderful um, and appropriate in many places, but I actually mean like digging into your stuff and understanding your history, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, because spiritual stuff or magical stuff has no bearing on your psychology necessarily, right? Yeah, it may be undermined by it, it may be strengthened by it, um, it may be interfered by it, it may be whatever, but that psychology stuff there, um, 
like all of all the parts of you will grow equally when you're growing as a as a magical being. So if you don't minimize or manage or become conscious of that psychological stuff, then it is also growing, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes, you know, it's why it becomes such an aberration later on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where you like people who become obsessive or people who become alcoholics or, you know, maybe we're always alcoholics or whatever, right? Yeah. So that's number one. Um, number two, um, magic is is predominantly neutral, right? Like there's there's no necessarily sort of inherent morality or personal cultivation mm-hmm. in magic itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like learning to barbecue a steak. Ultimately, right? <laughs> there's there's there may be moral questions around that, but the the person who's actually just going to cook the steak, they're like. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn on the barbecue. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I, you know, I'm gonna like warm it to room temperature. I'm gonna put my salt and pepper on it. I'm gonna sear it, and then I'm gonna like you know do do the thumb test or use my little thermometer or whatever, and then I'm gonna like let it rest and eat it. Boom. That is that is magic, right? Magic is <laughs> magic is is knowledge, um, but tied to sort of energetic. Or, or other things, right? Mm-hmm. Same with divination, right? Mm-hmm. It's equally possible to learn to read the cards and to learn to know things about other people and be fundamentally unable to do anything about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, either either um, because you can't read for yourself and you, you recognize it or because you think you're reading for yourself and you're just like propping up your psychological stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um and then the third piece then becomes the question of, so where does our cultivation as a human being come from? Right? And, you know, one of my, one of my teachers in one of the initiatory groups uh, that, I, that I worked with said that he refused any students who did not have a religious practice mm-hmm. because he felt that it was the realm of religion to cultivate the person's character, uh-huh. the realm of magic to, to give them skills, and the uh, and the realm of um, you know psychology to deal with those issues, mm-hmm. and that they they may well intersect and, and go back and forth, but they all need to be separate. Um, you know, I'm not sure that uh, you know I'm not sure that it's quite as cut and dry as that. You know, I'm certainly not suggesting that people need to go back to some religion of their their forebears, yeah. but I think that being aware that that consciously cultivating your character is something that is that is important and that nobody does because it sucks nobody yeah. wants to do it it's not pleasant to be like huh it'd be so easy if i would just do this right now but that goes against my beliefs and yeah so, yeah right? well yeah well that goes into sarah berry uh out in sydney you know you met sarah at reader studio right yeah, yeah the psychic sarah we like to call her and um she said that when when she was being interviewed by you, the two of you talked about um, your travels in India. And so what she wanted to ask you is if there was a particular movement or event in India that shaped the way uh, you explore divination and and if if there was, how how does it how does it make you view the world today? Hmm. Um
I'm not sure that there's any super direct correlation. Um, going, going to India for me was this journey of, um, recognizing, uh, the ancientness of those traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, you know, I met, I met, it was a journey of initiation mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I met the Dalai Lama when I was there, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I emailed, emailed my partner Hanlon on, you know, like a, a day later or whatever. And I was like, I met the Dalai Lama yesterday. <laughs> He's taken up permanent residence in my heart as an mm-hmm. advisor on all matters of love and compassion. Wow. And, and I feel that that is, that continues to be true. Yeah. You know, yes. when, when I remember and I feel overwhelmed by the world, yeah. all I do is I sit and I focus on his face and I feel that reconnection back to that energy. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, there it is. This is, this is the, the, the long perspective. This is the wisdom of, you know, multiple generations. And this is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and not that we don't need activism and, and urgent energy too, because we really do. But there's that point at which the, the difficulty of, of challenges in the world and the horrors of people and the way they are to each other can be overwhelming and offsetting. Yes. And then I lean back onto him to mm-hmm. realign it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, sitting under the bow tree where the Buddha sat, you know, like yeah. all of these kinds of things, you know, being introduced to, um, to this yogi's gurus and being connected with them on the spiritual plane, you know, like all of those energies exist and continue to exist around me. And so those things, uh, influence all of my work, even though they don't necessarily have a sort of like particular influence on flipping a card as it were yeah yeah i love that um you were able to go there and and bring that back with you you know to really to really bring it back with you and have it become an expression of your art you know mm-hmm. and I, I mean art on so many levels for you is it's pretty wide-ranged isn't it yeah so so what what's next for you in in terms of of what you're creating in, in the world um, so what's next for me? So more, more, uh, art magic Yay. combo stuff. Yay. Um, I am starting a, uh, a new thing, which will get an announcement maybe in a week or so from the release of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I will share it here for my loving listeners. Yay. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, Mercury retrogrades coming up again in September. Relax, not soon, but in September, right? And, um, so I am creating, uh, this sort of art slash magical transformation slash, uh, journaling or divining to change your life process where every day for Mercury retrogrades duration, um, people who are participating will receive a video and it will be tied to, uh, you know, journaling or divination prompts and, and sort of simple exercises so that every day for that three week run, people can, um, you know, make a little space, tap into that energy of, of what I'm creating to transmit around that Mm -hmm. and work on, uh, doing all the, uh, the wonderful, uh, 
you know, rewords that can, can be there with retrograde, like rebuilding, reinventing, <laughs> reinvigorating, re-inspiring, rejigging, you know, yeah. all, all of those kinds of energies. Great. So that's, that's my next, um, big thing. And then, yeah, I've got some other stuff that I'm working on. Um, I should have, uh, um, a book on, uh, divining with the Toth deck okay. coming out, yeah. um, yeah. winter, winter 2017 for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, also this collaborative tarot deck that I've been working on for far too long <laughs> um, on, uh, you know, on raising money to uh, fight cancer through cancer research, but also through the way in which the deck is made to sort of uh, help people move from places of suffering to places of remembering and, and healing and so on. So I'm hoping that that will be it in the next few months, but uh things always take way longer than I imagined. So yeah, I mean, decks usually do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you get seventy-seven artists involved, yeah. and it's uh, it is a wonderful and exciting journey. Yeah. But uh, time starts to like mean something different. So. Totally. Yeah, and I yeah. think I think the decks have a life of their own, and they have their it's, own timing, and they they'll let you know when they're ready to be released. And I know that can be frustrating at times, certainly. You know, but it it'll come out when it's ready to come out. I'm sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that I uh, really value tremendously is I really just reach out to people that I'm excited to talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't take requests mm-hmm. for people to be on the show as such. I don't. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have conversations with people that I'm not fired up about. Uh-huh. And really, I spend a lot of time just kind of like waiting for somebody to for like a thread somewhere where I'm like, huh that person's talking about this thing and this is a conversation I want to have. I need to like see if they'll come and have that conversation with me. Right. And you know, for the most part they do, which is, which I'm honored for. And you know, occasionally they're like, I'd rather not, which I always respect, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So Andrew, you, you asked this question to everybody. How do, how do people get in touch with you if they want to, if they want to work with you? (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, thehermitslamp.com. That's, that's the hub for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are super keen to stay on top of what I'm doing, uh, jump on the newsletter. That's the best place to kind of get everything. Um, all of the stuff that I put out as well as stuff that I don't put out in other places ends up there. Um, and I'm currently doing a, uh, weekly roundup of these prompts that I've been doing for people, which are like black and white images with questions. Um, you know, so that, that's kind of a weekly thing and whatever else comes there and course announcements and stuff. I'm uh, super active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, in both of those places, if you're, if you're into that, come and come and find me and, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Or if you're in Toronto, come to the store. Yeah, come to the real deal. <laughs> and we can find you at a lot of conferences and, uh, you know, you get out in the world as well, right? Yeah, I try to. I try yeah. to for sure. Yeah. I'll be, at, I'll be at Reader Studio next year for sure. Um, there's a couple other possibilities that I've been talking about with people that might happen. So uh-huh. Great, yeah. great. Yeah, and Andrew and I will be sharing a vendor's table at Reader Studio, you know, mm-hmm. showing all of our, our latest products that we can't wait to share with everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andrew. I, I really enjoyed this and, and I, and I love hearing more about you and, and getting you in the, in the seat of the one that being interviewed because you, you have some fantastic things that you're doing in the realm of divination and we really appreciate it. Thank you. So I want to thank you 
uh, everybody who listens for helping me keep inspired and keep engaged and uh, moving through these episodes. If you uh, have missed any of them, they're all available at uh, thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts uh, or in iTunes or such places. And also, I have rolled out the material about the Mercury Retrograde Reboot thing. And if you would like to check it out, head on over to thehermitslamp.com slash mercury or just click on the image for it on the homepage and give it a check out and see if it's for you. I am very excited to be continuing to explore this uh, art, magic, divination, video thing that I'm doing. And in fact, for these ones, I am also making all the music and sounds and audio stuff myself. So it is uh, very exciting for me. I hope you will check it out. And if you would like to see somebody be on this podcast in the future, or if there's something you're hoping to hear more about, drop me a line, get in touch and let me know. I look forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye.